suicide game just yesterday It's made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Hello and welcome to another episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Moran, and my brother, J.S., to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, enjoyable, and we hope entertaining stories that will help you navigate through those high seas of life. Today's episode is entitled The Arbitrariness of Power, and it is simply a short essay on the idea of use and abuse of power, relying on three examples, one going back 400 years, one of recent vintage, and one from when I was a teenager to elaborate on the idea that you give people power, they will use and probably abuse it. Relying on Lord Acton's maxim, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So let's start with the recent three-year period in which this country and the world went through the COVID pandemic. Let's take a quick peek at a few recent COVID orders that were issued by the authorities, governors of our 50 states. And Ask yourself, are these medically sound decisions that were issued to ensure public health? Or were they just orders given because powerful politicians just love power and don't want to give it up? Do they do so because they can? Again, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So, for example... If you can explain to yourself, and I wish you could explain to me, the medical science that would support some of these recent governmental orders emanating from the state house of our 50 states. The first example, it is legal to use a sailboat during the middle of the pandemic, the COVID pandemic, on Lake Michigan but it is illegal to jet ski. Give me the medical reason that might be so. How about this? No matter the size of the boat, it shall be illegal to have more than two people on any boat on Lake Michigan. By the way, just to make sure it's clear, Lake Michigan is 22,000 square miles. And that makes it the fourth largest freshwater lake in the world. What is the medical rationale that should there be a boat on the fourth largest lake in the world, it cannot have more than two people on board? I mean, does this make any sense to you? Why would the governor of Michigan issue such an order? And I I do love this Gavin Newsom entry. It shall be illegal to paddle a surfboard even while alone anywhere in the Pacific Ocean off the California coastline. I mean, I mean, where where does the USA 
border end, the Newsom line. And, and tell me, what is the medical rationale that states that a person can't be out in the ocean on his own on a paddleboard or a surfboard? I mean, what sense does this make? Now, politicians can be mean-spirited, irrational, downright bigoted. Granting men or women power is risky. And one never knows what they might do. I mean, for example, the Bureau of Indian Affairs banned tribes from practicing traditional Indian ceremonies and acting legislation empowering BIA agents to arrest Indian holy men for leading Indian ceremonies. Wow. I mean, really, what is the point of that order? Now, when I was young and actually working, um, I became rather friendly with a uh, man, a black man named Leroy. He was actually a wonderful guy. And he was a taxi driver in Jackson, Mississippi. And whenever I went to visit my, my client in Jackson Southern Farm Bureau, which is quite a big company, in the mid-1980s, I would call ahead to arrange to have Leroy meet me at the airport as if he were a, a limousine driver. He's a fabulous man. He's about 30 years older than I was. And, and so during the drive from the airport to the hotel, I'd always ask Leroy to tell me about life in the 1950s um, Mississippi, the life experience as experienced by a black man at those, at those times. And one harrowing tale um, that he had told me that had stayed with me for effectively 40 years, focused on, on his arrest as a teenager for reckless eyeballing. I mean, he was supposedly staring with lascivious intent at a white woman. Now, such a startling law was deemed necessary by, by powerful politicians in Mississippi whom refused to back down from the fearsome responsibility they shouldered safeguarding white citizenry from eyeball and reckless eyeball and black criminal types like Leroy. And the penalties for reckless eyeballing, as you might imagine, were highly var variable. And, and sometimes even they proved fatal. And Leroy, Leroy always remained wary of running afoul of men in power who might abuse people arbitrarily. He could never move beyond it. And, 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 I, don't, I, and I don't blame him for that. The, the arbitrariness of power can be witnessed via a short um, detour into history. I'm going to develop one from the 30 years war that racked uh, Europe. Uh, and still percentage-wise, the 30-year war is the bloodiest period of conflict in European history, which tells us something given the continental Europeans had so much firsthand experience in the field and art of sadistic torture, ethnic cleansing, and genocidal warfare. Remember, we've had World War I. We've had World War II. 
uh, and yet still the 30 years uh, war stands out for its levels of violence. And, and during that 30 years war, there was a field marshal named Johann Sercles. He was the Count of Tilly, and, and he was the field marshal that commanded the Catholic League's um, forces in the Thirty Years' War. And from 1620 to 1631, he just crushed Protestant enemies, smoting the stronghold city of Magdeburg, Germany. Um, and not satisfied to merely smote their army, Tilly's troops were unleashed to rape, torture, and kill um, 20,000 combatants and non-combatants at life uh, alike. And a few thousand residents managed to escape the massacre. And it's, it's safe to say, it really is, Tilly's quotient for the suffering, humiliation, and sadistic treatment of human beings over which he exercised whimsical uh, control was asymptotic to inf infinite. In other words, unlimited. And he had earned a well-earned reputation for inflicting pain upon the helpless that were spread before him widely. And he absolutely loved it. He loved the power. And he was not unwilling to use it. And when Tilly and his forces um, threatened to torture, rape, and kill all the residents of a small town uh, called Rothenburg and, and burn it to the ground, ignoring the Count's threat was not really a viable option. I mean, Tilly was famous for destruction and death. And Tilly had a city councilman put to the sword, and most of the villagers knew what was about to hap happen next. The, the, the terrified mayor of Rothenburg, uh, a man by the name of George Nusch, he bowed before Tilly and he offered to do anything. I and mean, this is the mayor of Rothenburg. He, he, he offered to do anything to save the town and the people from utter destruction. And Tilly and his leading officers found this demonstration of fealty and obsequiousness on the part of Nush hilarious. I mean, they thought the mayor was really amusing, hilarious in truth. And an inspired Tilly decided to test the mayor's commitment to saving the town from devastation. I mean, Tilly was wondering how far would the mayor go? What might the count do to measure the nature of this man? Measure the measure of this mayor. So Tilly inquired of Nush. You say you're willing to do anything. Hmm, anything. And, and the mayor nodded in the affirmative. And, and so what did Tilly want of these people? Rothenberg offered no impediment to Tilly's advance. They, 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 they posed no military risk whatsoever. Rothenberg was simply a small village of no value to Tilly, and, and it was of no threat to his forces. The village just unfortunately just happened to be situated along the route down which um, Tilly's you know, rapacious army just traveled. 
they're basically on their way somewhere else, somewhere else that they would destroy. And Rothenberg was of no value. But Tilly was inspired by Nush's offer to do anything. And, and um, so Tilly, uh, in a moment of inspiration, he suggested that a large 3.25 liter uh, flagon be brought to him filled with wine. And he offered Mayor Nush both the flagon of wine and an ultimatum. And here's what it was. The mayor was to take the flagon and consume the entire flagon's contents in a single sip. By the way, just in case you don't know what a liter might be equivalent to, 3.25 liters is equal to 109.82 ounces, or by by modern custom size, um, 22 glasses of red wine. And should the mayor, should Mayor Nush fail to polish off the flagon of wine in a single draw, a single sip, he would be put to the sword by Tilly and the villagers all would be raped and killed and the town subsequently razed. <laughs> Bottoms up. Uh, such was the arbitrariness of power. Now, one sees, you know, maybe how Gavin Newsom might easily have, you know, issued such an order had he lived in the 1600s, but only after, you know, having his hair flourishly styled. He's that kind of a guy. So in any event, Mayor Nush took the flagon and in, in, a, in a performance worthy of 400 years of remembrance and in demonstration of his fortitude and his willingness to go the extra leader to protect his fellow villagers. Something Gavin Newsom, Andrew Cuomo, nor Bill de Blasio would ever do, I assure you. Slowly but steadily, and no doubt, increasingly agonizingly, the mayor proceeded to polish off that 3.25 liters of wine in a single draw. He drank 22 glasses of red wine without putting down the cup. Approving, you know, some proving a man of his word, a thoroughly entertained, amazed, and impressed uh, Field Marshal Tilly spared the town and moved on with his army. Now, fear hung over Rothenburg until Tilly and his soldiers had finally saddled up and left Dodge, so to speak, to terrorize some other unfortunates down that road. But alas, there exists no written history recording the extent of, nor the duration of, the, the monumental hangover that had to be endured by the brave, honorable, and no doubt beleaguered, but completely hammered Mayor George Nush. And one can only, you know, Imagine the extent and the duration of the discomfort, the agony, the confusion and disorientation experienced 
by the by the heroic but but completely inebriated mayor of Rothenburg. If ever Mayor Nush stood for re-election in Rothenburg, he certainly had hammered home his message. Talk about eating your own cooking. Rothenburgers witnessed firsthand the mayor's willingness to go that extra milliliter for his constituency. In, I, I have to say, I am, I, I, I sincerely doubt, I sincerely doubt that there is a mayor or governor in any American city who had matched the performance, the commitment that was exhibited by George Nush on behalf of his people. American politicians just aren't up to it these days. In a weird, weird close to this uh, short uh, talk about the arbitrariness of power, I give a more modern example, and it's an exhibition of arbitrariness of power that had actually a dire outcome. The Rolling Stones and Mick Jagger made the dubious decision to hire the Hells Angels as a security force for its free festival uh, at Altamont Speedway in return for a few cases of beer. That only four people died among the estimated 300,000 present at what at the time was being called Woodstock West um, on December 6, 1969 is, is nothing less than a miracle, only four deaths. Others, as I do, think of it as the end of the hippie era. If, if, the, if the summer of love, sort of the age of love and peace and hippies, if it all started at Woodstock, it ended at Altamont. It really was um, the day the music died. And I was a kid. I was working at Anthony's Beef Inn in Deerfield, Illinois. I was, uh, you know, I made short order sandwiches and hamburgers. And when all this went down, I got to say, as a Stones fan, I, I was shocked. I mean, how could Muammar Gaddafi have just taken over Libya in a coup just three months before and nobody had died? No one died in a Gaddafi-led takeover of his whole country, yet four people died at a Stones concert at a Speedway in Oakland, California. Are you kidding me? But that's what happened. Now, Keith Richards has maintained and has stated in his book that for about 12 years, Mick Jagger thought he was God. And Keith saw no evidence that Jagger wasn't God. With all his fame and his fortune, Jagger got Anything and everything he wanted. Jagger had incredible wealth, um, and every woman in the world would sleep with him. He took special interest in screwing his friends and his bandmates, girlfriends and wives, because, well, well, because he felt like it, and because he wanted to prove to everybody that he could, and so he did. He was the alpha dog. No, he was like a god. And, and people surrounding Jagger, they did whatever he asked uh, them, whatever he asked them to do. And in time, over time, um, all those around him dressed like him, talked like him, adapted uh, uh, his mannerisms, and would get him whatever he needed. Richards made the case, um, and, and I think this is totally true, that Jagger was the only man on planet Earth whom could cause the head of every state on planet Earth to change their calendar if Jagger's people called these presidents and relayed the message that Mick was interested in stopping by to visit. 
Richard said that in that regard, Jagger was no longer a rock star. He was simply the most important man in the world. He could go anywhere, see anybody he wanted, whenever he wanted, and something that no other mortal could do. I think he was right. And so Mick Jagger elected, because he had the power to do so, to hire the Hells Angels to be the security force at a rock festival in Altamont, Oakland, California, with the results as we know them to be. Such is the arbitrariness of power. Hey, thanks for listening. Be well. We hope you'll listen in again. Bye-bye. Inside came just yesterday This made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Time can't be Misguided and all of my own At least that's what I thought I failed to see that I belong Everything I'm also Just a drop of rain and a thunderstorm Another grain of sand on the beach How could I miss what was in front of me? Two eyes that can't make you see. It's the mind that paints all these pictures, like the mirage of the deserts. I misread all the signals, I never knew that I. She knows